I love this land. I'm glad I'm an American. I'm glad I'm here today. In fact, I'm just glad I can be anywhere today. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to join me this morning to the book of First, I mean Second Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter number two. Brother Josh, Miss Karen, thank you so very much for that for that good, good offertory special. I do realize probably you folks increased the offering by several hundred thousand dollars a day, but I want you to know you don't get any of it. Josh, good to have you on, buddy. Good to have you on, Karen. And you got to go through Tennessee to be able to play a piano like that. All right. Well, I'm sure glad you're here today. In writing to a young preacher boy, Paul writes to Timothy these words. Verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of 2 Timothy. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man warreth that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Lord willing, and if you would allow me for just a few moments, I'd like to talk to you about a good soldier. There's a lot of difference in a good soldier and just a soldier. A uniform makes a soldier. Dedication, love, devotion, and commitment makes a good soldier. Today we have set aside the last Monday in May as a memorial day to remember those who have died and given their all in service to our country. Originally, Memorial Day was just to put flowers on the graves of the northern soldiers who died in the Civil War. May 30, 18, and 68, they dedicated this day to decorate the graves of those who had fallen in the Civil War. Later, they began to do it for those southern soldiers who have died and now we have began and have come to a place where we recognize we remember we memorialize all of those who have died in wars that have been fought to secure mine and your freedom and liberties that we enjoy in this world today 
Joseph Campbell said a hero is someone who has given his or her life for something bigger than themselves. Thank God for all the multitudes that have chosen to give their lives for something larger than themselves. Our freedom, our liberty, our freedom of speech. It's honorable and fitting this morning that we remember the sacrifice of our nation's great veterans who gave their lives on battlefields abroad and here at home. By some estimates, in excess to one Point three million Americans have given their lives that you may sit in this church today. Use the Bible that you want to use and freely worship the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. Do not ever take lightly the sacrifice of those who have died for us. Michael J. McClellan, writing for the Journal of the American Academy of Religion, wrote in December of 2002, the total number of Christian martyrs during the 20th century, 20th century only, Christian martyrs, folks who have died for their stand for Christ, exceeds 45 million people. 45 million plus has died as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We sit in our luxury. We relax in our comfort and take for granted the stand that Christians are making around the world. He finished his thought by defining Christian martyrs as believers in Christ who lost their lives prematurely in situations of witness or in human hostility. then it is only fitting this morning that we not only pay tribute and remember those who's died for our country, that flag, but we dare not forget the millions who have died for that flag. You see, without that flag, this flag would not be. God Almighty birthed America. You read in our history books those that the humanist has not misconstrued. You'll find miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that God has performed to get us to where we are today. May I please 
lay heavy upon your shoulders. Good soldiers, good soldiers have won what you and I experience and enjoy in this land today. If we are not careful, our kids are not going to know anything about what it's cost for them to drive a car with a turkey on the hood. On our platform are two flags. 1.3 million soldiers has meant it when they said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. 1.3 million. When they did that, had enough respect to take their hat off, had enough respect to stand in attention, had enough respect and patriotism to mean what they say, I pledge allegiance. Allegiance is not merely sympathy or empathy. Allegiance means you pledge your all. That used to mean something when I was a kid. Good soldiers are absolutely necessary for either of these flags to survive. Both of them are suffering casualties. Folks, who died for this flag made it possible for foreigners to come to this land and experience our freedoms and enjoy our educational opportunities. Now are going back and assassinating the very republic that taught them what they know. What a shame it is. What a shame it is that this flag is losing the battle. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. Until Wednesday night. No, until Sunday night. We may have to stand and watch Curry do his thing. You say, you're going to make me mad? You think you'd make a good soldier scared of you? Not as long as I can run, I'll not get scared of you. You say, you can't outrun me, I'll not run you to my office and I can lock the door. And then I'll shoot you at my door. In Christian love, of course. I pledge allegiance. What does that mean? 
I pledge allegiance. What does that mean? These two flags are both extremely necessary for you and I to enjoy the luxury, the comfort, the happiness that we experience. Where is our allegiance? You're, you say, preacher, you're going to start meddling now. Could I please give you a quote by Dwight D. Eisenhower? Maybe we can create a thought around it. Listen very carefully. Kids, you listen. This is very important. People that value its privileges above its principles soon lose both. A people who values their privileges above their principles will soon lose both. Are you voting principle or privileges? Are you for work or welfare? Are you for eternal security or social security? Watch our presidential candidates. You'll have to watch every day to see which one it is so they change so much you don't know which one's going to be the next day. Watch their platform. See if you see one presidential candidate running on principle or privileges. I bet you thought this was going to be better than this, right? Are we losing our principles in America? Same-sex marriage. The breakdown of authority in our cities. We reward the criminal and prosecute the policeman. And everybody says, well, there's bad police everywhere. Some of the police are bad. Yeah, but all the criminals are bad. Do we jump on the one or two or do we just let the, all of them go? Have we lost principles in America? Do we major on our privileges? I just think maybe the prophet Micah was pretty close to right in Micah chapter number 3. I'm not going to turn there because I probably couldn't find it. But if you read Micah chapter number 3 when you get home today, you'll see Micah the prophet of God giving Israel a holy fit. I mean that sermon he's preaching will kill corn knee high. 
and he, well, he warns Israel of coming judgment. He says, God will plow you as a field. And then he goes to enumerate the causes of the judgment of God on Israel. And I say to you today, probably we could find the same characteristics in our land today. The first thing he does is he nails corrupt politicians. You never heard any of that, have you? Notice, I got to pay my bills, Sweet William said. That's why he's charging $750,000 for each speech and has made $200 million since 2001, 2011, making speeches. Got to pay his bills. He could tell the truth. I'm a greedy humanist, and still i got to pay my bills. If I was him, I'd divorce Hillary if she's that expensive. And I don't even believe in divorce. Corrupt politicians. No one can ever accuse our president of telling the truth. And thank God he settled all the racial issues in America. There is no racism in America. No, sirree. No, sir. And you talk about an open, open administration, a transparent administration. I mean, after all, you want to know something? Just ask him. He'll never tell you the truth. Of course, thank God, we got another one coming on. You know what's wrong in this country? We started voting privilege, and not principle. Now, I'm 65. I need my Social Security. No, sir, you need God. That's what we need. We need more of God and less of Washington, D.C. in our pocket. Corrupt politicians. The only way you can tell when a politician's lying is when his mouth is moving. Democrat, Republican, whatever it is, you can tell. Corrupt politicians. Read Micah 3. And the next thing Micah said is we got some compromising preachers. They tickle the ears of their congregation. They do not want to make anybody mad because they cut in on their cash flow. Crooked, corrupt politicians, and compromising preachers. If you were to watch Christian television for the next six months, you'd never hear repentance, hell. Now you hear a lot about prosperity. You hear a lot about feel good. You'll hear a lot about how good you are. Keep those cards and letters coming, friends. But compromising preachers who scared to death 
that somebody's going to leave because he says something about their sin or their political person. Now you can see how scared I am that you're going to leave. If you leave, we'll give you our address and just keep your tithe coming on a regular basis. And we'll put somebody in your seat after you've gone. Compromising preacher. They sell books. They sell records. They sell this. They sell that. They sell everything in the world. But they didn't read the Bible where it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Yeah. Compromising preacher. Never shall forget the lady who visited our church years and years ago. I met her before the service. And she said, Preacher, we're looking for a church that's alive. So I went around and tried to build a fire under some of these Baptists, you know, melt the icicles. After the service, I was shaking hands at the back door. And I said, what do you think? She says, not that alive. You looking for one of them compromising pantyways, tiptoe through the tulips, make you feel good, although you're sorrier than the bottom side of a garbage can kind of preacher? This ain't it. And the other... Pastor, if he ever tips those through the tulips, I'll cut his legs off so far you'll never be able to see him above the tulips. Can anybody say amen? What's happened? Our privileges are now gone because our principles left a long time ago and now our privileges are being taken from us one at a time. Can you imagine? It's okay, but can you imagine the government legislating things as important as global warming? I heard our president say the other day to the graduating class of the, of the uh, Coast Guard that the biggest threat to America is global warming. So you look at me like I'm lying to you. That's what he said. It's a greater threat than ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Iran, Syria. The greatest threat that you and I have facing us today is global warming. Yet there's more ice in the north and the south than there has been. I don't know what you'd call what we're in, except maybe Genesis 6. <laughs> Do I have your attention? May I say to you today, what's wrong with our country was spoken of by great presidents in the past when he said, when we place our privileges above our principle, we're in danger of losing them both. Christian, get some principles. 
Christian live some principles. We made it before we could travel 200 miles an hour. We made it before there was tractors. Can you imagine doing without a cell phone? I do it all the time because I don't even know where mine is. My wife will call me and tell me, I got your phone! I say, thank you, darling. Then I hang up and say, I knew where it was all the time, but I didn't. Can you imagine? Living without air conditioning. Dear God, how did you make it in Texas without air conditioning? Ladies, is it possible to have life before automation in the kitchen? How did we get dishes clean without automatic dishwashers, automatic clothes washers, automatic clothes dryers, automatic clothes hanger uppers, and automatic ironed drawers? How did we make it? Oh, oh, that's back when we had principles. That's back before comfort was not our main goal. That was back when we believed something and really believed something and was willing to pledge allegiance for something that we held of great value. That's before we gave up our principles for our privilege. A corrupt politicians, a compromising preachers, a passive people. Don't bother me. I don't get involved. My neighbor's barn burned. Thank God it ain't mine. I'll pray for them. Passive people. What do they do with passive soldiers who will not obey, who will not give in, who will not serve? What do they do with them? They kick them out. It's called court martial. Kid wrote home to his daddy, a rebellious little booger. Wrote back to his daddy after he'd been in boot camp for about two or three weeks. He wrote back to daddy and said, Daddy, I learned something. Daddy said, What? He said, What now means? <laughs> Any of you forgot what now means? A passive people. We take for granted what we have because we didn't pay for what we got. 
We take for granted our church. We take for granted everything, our freedoms, our liberties. The only problem is when you take advantage of that and take it for granted, it's just right around the corner and we're going to lose it. Endure hardness, Timothy said to a young man. Endure hardness. President Thomas Jefferson said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Never take it for granted. Never slack off. Never back off. Somebody's freedom tomorrow depends on yours and my vigilance today. Somebody's eternity depends on our vigilance today. Heaven's reality depends on someone's vigilant today being willing to go and bear the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody's eternal future is dependent upon our vigilance today. Good soldiers, please let me give you in five minutes I can't even say Wolfenbarger in five minutes. <laughs> the four marks I jotted down this morning of a good soldier. <laughs> I would really like to hear our Lord say, <clears throat> Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Wouldn't you like to hear that? identifying marks could you and I apply to a good soldier <clears throat> let me give them to you real fast that way you won't miss any of them and I'll come back a good follower of Jesus Christ is a follower a good soldier is a follower to be a good leader you must have been at one time in your life, and even to now, a good follower. Can you imagine a recruit getting off the bus, and the drill instructor walks up to that recruit, this drill instructor. Hi, fellows. I'm so glad you guys could make it today. Oh, by the way, you don't have to get your hair cut. We are tolerant at this camp. How many wars is that booger going to win? You're welcome. You're welcome. I had a young man tell me, the minute I drove up and got off the bus at Camp Lejeune, and that five-foot-tall drill instructor in all directions, I stepped off the bus, looked that guy in the eyes, 
And I said to myself, you are in trouble. He did not ask how long his hair would be left. He was not asked to not give him white walls. They mowed his head that looked like some of you guys that ain't mowed. No mow. Wonder why they start with the hair. I just wonder. Cut the hair, attitude change. Cut the hair, rebellion gone. Cut the hair. You listen? A good soldier, first of all, must be a follower. Nobody enters the army or the forces a general. I think they all start by private. They're teaching them to follow. Not only is a good soldier a follower, a good soldier is a fighter. Now, fellows, I'm glad you're here today. Just get off the bus. Bring your checkers. We're going to teach you how to play checkers here at the boot camp. There's no guns. There's no face-to-face, hit-you-in-the-mouth kind of stuff. You don't have to crawl through mud shooting machine guns over your head. We are here to teach you how to play mumble pig. Well, that's what you folks expect at the church. I mean, you don't want to work. You don't want to tithe. You just won't, 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 won't. You think maybe that we're in the business of teaching you spiritual mumble pig or spiritual checkers or something. But a good soldier is a fighter. Well, it's wrong to fight. I want you to know something. You come over my house and mess with my dog, I'll fight you. You mess with me, Ginger will fight you. <laughs> Thirdly, a good fighter. He or she is familiar. Familiar. I've got to close. Familiar with the strategy of the enemy. Now that's something our president seems to be in dark about. Uh, Evidently, Iran is not Iran. And it is not Muslim. And it does not believe in jihad. Uh, and so we just go to play mansy pansy checkers with them for a while. But a good soldier is familiar with the strategy of the enemy. It was years ago, kind of like Paul, I knew a man in the spirit, out of the spirit, drunk or not drunk, I do not recall. Somehow or another, when those fellas told me to knock this chip off their shoulder, my aim was terribly bad. 
step across this line and you're in trouble. No, you're in trouble before you hit that line. I ain't waiting on you to hit me. I ain't waiting until you get think it's fair. Well, you don't fight fair. No, I fight to win. A fight is to win, not to stand there with blood running down your nose and say, I didn't know you meant it. Good night, nurse. Give me a break. If I was going to fight somebody, I didn't call and say, I'll be over at your house after a while. Please get your gun ready. (laughs) The only time he knew I was coming is right before he turned around and (laughs) Fighter! Come in there! Dear Lord! Give me a break. And a good soldier, sure, he is faithful. I don't have time to go over those. I'm already done. But at least you've got the whole kettle of fish. At the 40th anniversary of D-Day, as President Ronald Reagan stood there looked at those gigantic cliffs. When the British boats unloaded 225 army rangers and their duty was to scale those cliffs, knock out those gigantic guns that was going to be pounding the soldiers as they hit the beach. He explained as he looked up those gigantic crags of the soldiers on top of machine guns and hand grenades as our 225 army rangers shot cables out of cannons and landed to the top and began to scale the face of that cliff. And he described, answer that, that may be Obama wanting to talk to me. He described in detail how that one ranger would be shot off the rope and another would take his place and begin to scale to the top of those high cliffs. Ninety army rangers reached the top and secured it and took the gun. And he closed his speech with this phrase, there are no victories that will ever be won without a fight. When we remember the victories, at that point, we remember the heroes. Our history books fraudulent, written by secular humanist who takes all the glory and praise to God and doctors our history books to their own liking. Today, in closing, let me quote someone that was brash, 
that had been trained to fight and did much fighting for our country. General George Patton said, it is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. There's men like that here today. There's men here today who fought in Vietnam and come back to shame and ridicule. I want to thank each of you who did not burn their draft card and take off to Canada like the rest of them. Those of you who were willing to fight even though you did not believe in what was going on yet because of patriotism and the allegiance to that flag. You jeopardized your life. You went, you fought, and we're free. Memory's a good thing. We need to remember regularly those 1.3 plus million who died. But we must remember also and be thankful for those millions who went and was willing to die. And yet in God's providence and God's grace, you did not have to die. And if you did not have to die, maybe the eternal, sovereign, omniscient God knew. Now you have something to live for. Not privileges. 